Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. When you pray, how do you address God? Do you really take the time to let who He is to you sink into the core of your being? In today's episode, Francis walks us through meditating on what it means to approach God as our Creator, our Father, and our Bridegroom. In this message, there will be a few moments when Francis gives time for us to respond in prayer, and we encourage you to pause the episode at those points to go before the Lord and simply be in awe of who He is. Do you guys believe, I mean seriously, think in your heart, because I love what Vanessa started with, how sometimes we can take something so sacred and it becomes common. And prayer is certainly one of those, those things in our lives where we can just throw words up there with a lack of faith. And we know what James says, you know, the book of James says, if you doubt, you're going to receive nothing. And so it's so easy to get in this habit of half believing our prayers. And then God guarantees, well, then those prayers won't be answered because I don't answer the person who doubts. James 1. And, and it's very easy to, to just go, God, improve my relationship with you. And a couple things. One, do we really believe he's going to answer that? But number two, do we believe that that's exactly what he wants? I, I noticed something the other day. I, uh, I was getting ready to speak somewhere and it wasn't like anxiety, but I just felt like I got to go up there and make something happen, stir something up. And during worship, the Lord just settled me down and reminded me that he wants this more than I do. You know, how, I mean, those of you who are into sports, you know, they talk about how the more mature an athlete gets, the more the game slows down for him. You know, that's just a phrase they would say about the court. Oh, the game is finally slowing. It's almost like everything in slow motion and you can kind of see it and you relax and you're just where you need to be. You're not panicked. And uh, I feel like the Lord does that in our lives, especially in ministry where, you know, the younger Francis would have been up here right at, you know, the right time and, and no, no, no dead spaces, you know, here's a joke, here's a story, here's everything, let's move the crowd. And then the older you get, you just realize it's the zeal of the Lord that accomplishes things. And somehow you, we just forget he wants this. I mean, our faith is about a God who loved us when we were enemies and rebellious towards him. And he says, no, I'm going to fix this relationship. I am going to make a way to reconcile these people to myself. I'm going to have my son. So it's all about him pursuing us. And yet sometimes, you know, I'll confess in a church gathering... I'll feel like I need to stir something up. 
And I don't trust the prayers. And I don't trust the spirit that he brought each one of you here tonight. Because he wants to improve his relationship with you. He wants to get closer. I um, I was praying with some of the leaders a couple weeks ago, and and we just had an awesome time of prayer. But I realized that there were certain, you know, the Bible describes God as our Creator. It talks about God as our um, our Father. It talks about God as our husband or groom and we're the bride of Christ and and as we start talking about some of these things I thought okay when I address him do I think of him in these ways and God was just showing me that sometimes I'm not thinking through who I'm speaking to based upon scripture and he's also showing me that sometimes our earthly relationships can distort that picture that we're supposed to have with God. And, uh, and so tonight I'm just praying that God would break through some of those things and give us a clear picture of him and remind us of who we're addressing. But I want to show you a video. I saw a video just um, a few days ago and uh, it, you got to listen hard because the people speak kind of funny because they, they're from England. And, uh, but uh, I, it, it puts, it's a really good point, okay? So try to pay attention because this is English, like real English. <laughs> it's not American. Um, but uh, there's just, just watch this. It's just a... When we were at Balmoral, and the Queen used to go up there in May to Crigowan House and just stay there privately for a weekend and she would go out at lunchtime for picnics and very often it would just be the police officer and her majesty and one of the picnics i went out with her we had a lovely picnic and a lovely chat and then we went for a little walk just the two of us and normally on these picnic sites you, you meet nobody but there was two hikers coming towards us and the queen would always stop and say hello and it was two americans on a walking holiday and it was clear from the moment that we first stopped they hadn't recognized the queen which is fine and the American gentleman was telling the Queen where he came from, where they were going to next, and where they'd been to in Britain. And I could see it coming, and sure enough, he said to Her Majesty, and where do you live? <laughs> and she said, well, I live in London, but I've got a holiday home just the other side of the hills. <laughs> and he said, well, how often have you been coming up here? Oh, she said, I've been coming up here ever since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. And you could see the clogs thick, and he said, well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the Queen. I and as quick it. as a flash, says, well, I haven't, but Dickie meets her regularly. <laughs> so the guy said to me, well, you've met the Queen, what's she like? And because I was with her a long time and I knew I could pull a leg, I said, oh, she can be very cantankerous at times, <laughs> but she's got a lovely sense of humour. Anyway, the next thing I knew, this guy comes around, puts his arm around my shoulder, and before I could see what was happening, he gets his camera, gives it to the Queen, and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? <laughs> Anyway, we swapped places, and I took a picture of them with the Queen, and we never let on, and we waved goodbye, and then Her Majesty said to me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows us photographs to the friends in America, and hopefully someone tells him who I am. 
I, I was thinking about that, uh, that story first. It's uh, stupid Americans, right? Joe, you love it, don't you? <laughs> it's just splendid. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm getting better, huh? <laughs> but it's just this whole idea of sometimes we just, we don't know who we're addressing. I was thinking about that story, and it, I think there's just a theme tonight of like, do we know whose presence we're in? I mean, I, I laugh at that story that this guy would just hand his cell phone to the queen and say, can you take a picture of me and this guy? Because she just did not, he didn't understand whose presence he was in. And, and I don't know, you know, if, if we knew the queen was in the room, you know, how we would address her. I mean, do you bow? What do you do? Do you bow? If, you, if the queen was here, what would you do? Well, I know she's dead now, but you just, how do you, what do you do? You approach, you don't turn your back to her, okay? You just, you just show some respect for this person. And I was thinking about when we come before God, that's why we spent some weeks talking about what he is like and his holiness and his majesty and his unapproachable light, and to think about that. But as we were praying the other day, I was thinking about God as my creator. And now if I asked you right now, hey, do you believe that God is your creator? You'd say yes. Um, but how many of you have really meditated on that thought of the creator? You know, in Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Could you believe this? Do you believe that God knit you together in your mother's womb? Because it's very easy to just from a secular, fleshly perspective go, well, yes, but it, physically I learned in, in human biology or anatomy class, I learned how that works and, and how things come together and you just think about the physical element of it. But what the psalmist says is, no, you knit me together. It's, it's, it's kind of like when God said, let there be light. Okay, what happened when God said, let there be light? Does that mean that at that moment he created the sun, the physical sun that gave light onto the earth? Maybe, but it seems like a much deeper concept than that, for light to just exist. And in the same way, when he says that he knit us together in our mother's womb, what does he mean by that? Is he just talking about the physiological, what happened there? Like, how did our soul and our consciousness actually come to be? Is it much deeper, like, let there be light, let there be Francis? Let there be Vince. Let there be Lori. This actual soul, this actual spirit, this actual now eternal being that God knit together 
And if that is true, that someone else created you, made you, how do you speak to him? Sometimes I try to imagine uh, what it was like for Adam, the first human being, and God creates this man out of the dirt and then breathes life into him. Okay, it seems like this was a very intimate act where he literally just, in his face, breathed life into Adam. Now imagine Adam suddenly appears. Here's this human being. He, does he know what he is? I mean, does he... All he knows is he's standing before this being who just breathed life into him and now suddenly has awareness, he has a conscience. He has consciousness and he's looking at this being. And I just picture God saying, I just made you. Try to imagine being in Adam's shoes. Well, he didn't have shoes yet, but his feet. Imagine being Adam, like, how do you speak to him? You didn't exist a second ago. There was no you. And this other being tells you he just formed you. How do you address the Creator? Because this is the way we are to speak to God. You know, sometimes when we pray, I, I don't know what word you use. Um, gosh, I'm not even sure what word I use most often. I guess it's Lord. Sometimes it's Father. Sometimes I say Jesus. Sometimes I say God. But have you ever said Creator? Creator God. I want to spend some time tonight. I want us praying. I want us praying and addressing our Creator and calling Him that. Creator God. Because there's something that that does to us when we recognize whose presence we're in. He is the creator. In uh, Colossians 1, verse 16, it says, For by him 
all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Think about that. Everything was made by this one creator. And here, talking about Christ, he says, all things were created through him, like by him, and for. That is such an important word. Such an important word. All things were created by him and for him. So this creator breathes life into Adam. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You were not an accident. This is not just a physiological thing. Your, your parents did not create you. God says, I knit you together. Your soul, your spirit, your being, your mind, this is an act of mine, and I made you for me. And everything that exists. I love that story where Elisha prays to God and said, God, would you open the eyes of my servant? And suddenly the servant could see all these things that were invisible to him before. There could be demons in this room, there could be angels among us right now? We don't know. The Bible says there are all sorts of these beings. I love the words that he uses here because we don't normally think about this. Thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. I mean, there's certainly those earthly ones. And then there's these spiritual beings and we don't understand the whole world, but the Bible says everything came from the Creator. So I want to give you some time right now to pray, maybe in a way that you've never prayed before, where you address your Creator. And there's something so healthy about this because it immediately shows you this gap between a created being who didn't exist a few years ago and the almighty creator. Now recognizing what the scriptures say, that he specifically made you, knit you together, you were made by him and for him. Why don't you just bow your heads right now and and just pray to your creator. All things were created by you and for you. 
Creator, forgive us for the times when we just live apart from you like we were made for ourselves. We were made for you. Thank you, Creator. Thank you for every breath you put in our lungs tonight. We are so dependent upon you. We praise you as our creator in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of some of these things that I'm sharing tonight, I'm hoping it begins a pattern in your life. Okay, that, that, that you don't look back and go, oh, that one night I worshiped him as creator. But that each time you go to pray, you think about the intensity of what that means when you address him as your creator. And I want to talk now about father. Um, this is more common that a lot of us will call him father. Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, when he, they said, teach us how to pray, he says, when you pray, say, our Father, our Father. Um, I love Psalm uh, 68. It's one of, my, one of my life verses. I have a lot of them. But uh, where he says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. So talking about our creator in heaven right now, he defines himself as a father. And like his very nature is to be a father to the fatherless. Um, and I think for those of us who who don't have dads or didn't have dads growing up or, or we just have a horrible relationship or no relationship even though they're still alive, obviously that passage means a lot to us that God says, I'm a father to the fatherless. First um, John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. See what manner of love the Father has given unto us. It's like, look at the amazing opportunity, the amazing love he's shown that we could be called children of God, sons of God. So I've been out of town. I've been out of town a lot. I'm leaving town again. And... Uh, came back this morning and immediately my son Silas comes running out the door and jumps into my arms, you know? And then Claire comes running out, she didn't jump, but she kind of gave me a little hug. But uh, I think about, you know, that picture of Silas just so excited and running into my arms. He's my little buddy, you know? We do everything together. And that's uh, the way you used to be when you were little. I mean, that was the best thing when uh, Rachel and Mercy, I, I remember when I'd get home from work, it'd be like five o'clock and the garage door would open because back then we had a garage 
that opened electronically. And uh, I used to actually park my car in the garage. Imagine that. Um, but uh, the moment they would hear that garage door open, they'd come running out. You and Mercy would run out. And before I could even get out of the car, they'd be jumping into the car, sitting on my lap and just, you know, kissing me on the cheek or whatever. And we would just laugh or whatever. And then we'd go in the house. Like that was, that was just an awesome moment. Like every day I just looked forward to getting home because it's like, oh, I knew those two little girls would come running out to me. Um, sometimes Lisa would do it too. <laughs> she never did. But uh, it's never too late. Um, but the, the whole idea is there's, there's something so beautiful about that, right? Even as I describe that, there's smiles all around the room. <laughs> there's like, oh, that's so cool, you know? And now to think that Rachel has two kids about that age, you know, it's just like this whole generation thing. I mean, it was this picture. God says that it's not just this creator who didn't want to be close to us, I mean, think about it. When he created Adam, he's showing him the Garden of Eden. Like, I prepared all of this for you. Look at this stream over here. Look at these fruit trees. Look at these animals. You're going to have dominion. You know how some of you, uh, you know, when you, you have a baby, you, you get the nursery already. Okay. That's kind of cool. But imagine creating an earth, you know, and the Garden of Eden and go, look what I made for you, right? Like when you have a child, the idea is this anticipation. I can't wait for this child to come. And I made all these preparations and I'm so excited about this. And that is our creator who created the Garden of Eden. And now he calls himself a father, because it's about this relationship. This is so fascinating. That's why he says, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called sons of God. That I get to take on the name a son of God, a child of God, and I'm guessing for a lot of us, we never, some of us never jumped into our dad's arms. That's like the furthest thing from our minds. So how can we understand God as father, right? I, I, and I've shared, I've wrestled with this. When I hear the word dad, from my perspective of dad, it's just, it's, it's sadness, it's terror, it's like, ah, oh, there's nothing good in that word for me as a kid. And that's true for some of us in this room. And, and so we want to, and, and, and now I kind of get it. I remember, you know, when, when Rachel was in like, uh, you know, two, three years old and, and uh, just thinking about, gosh, how I think about her all of the time. I'm like, oh, I just want to be with her. I just, you know, and to think, gosh, is, is God thinking that about me right now? So I got to taste it from the other side. 
You know, I, at least I got to taste some of it from the other side, even though I didn't receive it that way. And so there's some of that, but even that, that's, that, that doesn't heal us from some of these things. And some of us maybe are going, well, I haven't got to experience either side of that yet. That's why I love this passage in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is what I'm praying for tonight, okay? It's not like, hey, let me give you one of my kids and have them jump on your lap so you feel, you know. No. There's some miracle that can take place for those of us who when we hear the word Father, doesn't, it doesn't give us this sense of security and rest and love and desire. The Bible says there's this miracle that takes place where inwardly, even though we've never felt it. I mean, this has happened to me. It's, it's, it really is miraculous. It's interesting because in Chinese, the word for, for dad is abba, baba. And the only, you know, so, so that's what I called my dad, baba, abba. But the only time I ever used that word was like, please stop hitting me. Abba, abba, please stop, please, as I'm being chased around or tied to a tree or what, just, Abba. It just brings these, the, this thought of, ah, and then I just remember meditating on this passage and picturing my heavenly Father. And it was almost like the absence of that earthly father just made that craving even stronger to picture myself as a child and inwardly just groaning, Abba, Father, you gave me the spirit in me, the spirit of sonship. You redeemed that word for me, Abba. And I could, like a child, run into his arms and experience him as my father. I'm going to mix things up a little bit other than what I had planned. So we'll just go with it. Um, actually, Rachel, why don't you come up here? Come on. You too, Ellie. Yeah, just come up. Mercy, come on up. Claire, come on up. Don't give me that look. These are my girls. These are four of the seven of my children. 
<laughs> There's something. You know, I was talking to a bunch of college students yesterday at this university I used to speak, that I've speaking that I have spoken at for the last twenty something years. They, they always make fun of my English, my English ESL, <laughs> ESL. Okay, um, but. Uh, I don't make fun of your Chinese. Um, but I was trying to explain, like trying to think back to when I was in college or when I first started speaking at that school. I'm like, gosh, when I first started speaking here, I was like a newlywed, you know, you're probably a fetus. You know, it's just like, and I go, I, there's no way I can describe like what it's like on this other side of things as a grandfather of three and one to come, announcement. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted them up here because some of you haven't gotten to taste this. And I'm so sorry. And this is where living in a broken world with fallen people, a lot of us didn't get this. A lot of us didn't get this security. But so many people come up to me in the past that just say, oh, I just see your girls, they come, they sit on your lap at that, at that age, and I'm just going, I wish I just had some of that at some point. And there's a redeeming, there's something that God did in my heart to where I knew how to be a father even though I didn't have that picture. So I wanna say that to those of you who just maybe feel like there's no future for you. Um, this is what God does. He just miraculously heals and changes and transforms. But I wanted you to get a picture of a father to a child and security, comfort, just love and an availability that as much as I love my girls and they love me, what is the love of God like towards us? You can just see a little glimpse. This is why our relationships in the family are so important. Because they're to give a glimpse to the world of what we have with God. And so as a father, I do my best to be strong as a leader and to be intimate and close with all of my children. And it's, uh, and it's a joy. It's, it's what we were made for. You guys can go sit down. But I want you to pray right now as a child to your father. Okay, and I know this is this will be new for some of you to have that picture in your mind of God as Abba Father. But let's spend some time now 
just addressing God as Father. Just picture yourself as one of his children running into his arms and then speak to him as Father. You sent your son to reconcile us to yourself. God, would you pursue us now by your spirit that we would understand the depths of what it means to call you Abba. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, a father to the fatherless. Praise you, Abba, Father. Heal my brothers and sisters. Give us a clear picture by your spirit that we can clearly address you as father and enjoy that, everything that that means. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I hope this is something you take with you tomorrow, tonight, as you pray on your own, because it's, a few minutes doesn't do it. And we may even do like several nights on this of just, let's just spend a whole night on him as creator, a whole night as father, a whole night as husband. I will tell you, I have, uh, I've never been comfortable with this one. Um, but you see in scripture, Old Testament and New, there's this theme of God referring to him as the husband and Israel or the church or us being the bride. And Isaiah 54 verse 5 says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9 says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Okay, this is the, the climax of the scriptures. This is, uh, this is like the, the climax of all of creation. What all of creation is groaning for is this amazing time that he talks about in Revelation 19. It's right after he destroys Babylon, which is like the world system. It's, it's the adultery, the immorality, the sin of this world. And, and, and now that he's destroyed that, all, all of those who said, no, we don't want 
that worldly system. We're waiting for the bride. We're waiting to be the bride. We're waiting for the groom to come. It's at that moment after the destruction of Babylon, then, then suddenly there's this marriage that takes place between those of us who didn't take of the mark, who wasn't, and we weren't about the things of the world. We're waiting. We were faithful. We were waiting for the groom. It's all about this culmination in this marriage. That's why marriage is so important. That's why, again, it's like this picture that we paint is huge. And that is exactly why Satan is distorting it and destroying it. And, and that's, that's why, you know, in Malachi, when he says before, uh, you know, the Messiah comes, there's going to be a forerunner and he's going to restore the hearts of the sons to their fathers and the fathers to the sons. See, because the enemy is trying to destroy, you know, this father-child relationship. And that's why so many come from these broken homes and these absentee dads. It's because that is the plan of the enemy. And that's why with marriage, here's this picture of this beautiful coming together. And it's the idea of God being this groom and for us being the bride waiting for him. And at one of our house gatherings, uh, one, of, one of our pastors was saying, because I feel so weird talking about it. It's weird because as the pastors, uh, earlier that morning I was with a group of guys and we were all talking about this going, gosh, it's so awkward. It's so awkward for a bunch of guys to be sitting in a room talking about being a bride. And, and I go, gosh, you know, and there's part of me that I just, I kind of rebel against that. It's, it's hard enough having a name like Francis. And then, uh, you, you know, so there's just like this, oh, I'm not going to, I can't get into these bridal passages. And then when I got to the house gathering, the guy that was leading was talking about, gosh, this whole morning I was thinking about myself as the bride. And I thought, ah, I, I don't know what that would be like to walk up an aisle. Because I was just kind of standing there, you know? I know my part. I understand the groom part. But I don't, I don't understand what it would feel like. He goes to walk up the aisle and give myself to someone and come under his protection and the security of that. And under that type of love, I, I, I don't understand that. And, and so I want to try something tonight. Um, as every week, we want to take of the bread and the cup, which is such a beautiful and, again, a very intimate act where Christ says, this is my body that was broken for you. And he tells us to take it and to eat of it. And he says, that bread that you bless, is it not a fellowship, a koinonia with the flesh of Christ? And that blood 
this cup? Is it not a koinonia with the blood of Christ, a fellowship with the blood of Christ? It's this idea of fellowship with the body and blood of Christ. And that word koinonia is the same word for intercourse. Not to make this a sexual thing, but the idea is that it's a level of intimacy that God, our creator, who spoke Adam into existence, who says, okay, I, you gotta, I'm using the best of the, the world can offer, like a father to a child and a, a wife to a husband and this, this, this fellowship that I'm inviting you into. And I'm learning, I'm trying to understand what it means to see God as my husband. And us together being his bride. That's why in Ephesians 5, that whole passage talks about the husband and the wife and he says you know but I'm not really talking about the mystery of a husband and a wife coming together I'm talking about Christ and the church nevertheless he says I, I want the husbands to love their wives as their own bodies and wives to submit to your husbands as to the Lord and again I know that is something that uh is frowned upon in our society and it's no surprise to me because once we get rid of that picture of a bride joyfully coming under the leadership of her husband now suddenly we lose that picture of us being the bride and joyfully coming under the protection and leadership of King Jesus. But here's what I'd like us to do tonight. Um, maybe um, could be playing a little bit or something, but I want us to have this opportunity. Like when you're ready, and I want you to pray about this. I want you to take some time and think about this. Think about God as husband. Christ as groom and you, we, being the bride of Christ. And I think, wow, I, I was just thinking, what an awesome room to do this in. Where when you're ready, at any time you feel ready, just go out these side doors and then just walk up this aisle all the way from the back with Christ here at the table and see yourself as the bride of Christ coming to unite yourself with him. Now the Bible gives a warning that this, this is for those of us who know him. And we need to examine ourselves 
you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins. You have to believe that it's his flesh torn apart on that cross and his blood shed for you that has cleansed you and redeemed you and gives you this opportunity to be one with him. If not, don't take of this yet. It's a great time for you to be here, to just observe. But the Bible warns that actually sickness and even death can come upon a person when they take of the bread and the cup in an unworthy manner. And that's why we, we take time to confess our sins, make relationships right with one another, with the body of Christ before we take of this, because it's a powerful, powerful thing that we do. And I know sometimes we, we will wait for each other, but tonight I think let's just do it differently. I just want to give you that opportunity. I mean, most, I, I mean, we're split. Half of us are guys. We'll never know what it's like to walk up an aisle in a marriage ceremony. And I just want to give us that opportunity tonight and go, let me put myself in that position. These are beautiful pictures. They're pictures of dependence, especially back then, the way a wife had to depend on the husband, the way a child has to depend on the father, the way a created being has to depend on his creator to actually create him and breathe life and give life to him. And so this picture of the bride is very important. It's important for us to understand that we're not in the place of authority over God. And we joyfully come under his leadership. We choose this. We choose to be the bride of Christ. So spend some time praying and when you're ready, just go out the side door and then walk the aisle like it's your wedding day and it's your time with Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.